0: Hi guys, on this episode of EdTech, we'll be talking with Scott Tyner, Ernie Bailey, and Rob Brasbury. We'll be talking about relationship management, outsourcing IT, and value-added resellers. All this and more on EdTech.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What
3: are you listening to?
1: This This is AV. This This. is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is EdTech, episode 69, Relationship
1: Management. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Carmen International.
0: This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell. This month, I'm joined by Ernie Bailey. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, sir. Mr. Rob Brasbury. Happy
1: holidays.
0: Indeed. And Mr. Scott Tyner, how are you, sir?
1: Hey, Bill, I'm doing great.
0: Good. So, first and foremost, we're going to get into this. Uh, it's part of the holiday season. Most of us are going to be uh, probably uh, <clears throat> enjoying the frosty, frigid weather and um, more than likely getting prepped for uh, wonderful winter projects. So uh, I'll actually figure I'll do a quick round robin with everyone. As to, uh, It's always kind of fun to hear the uh, war stories on this one. Um, me, I get to go into the belly of the beast, and uh, we're going to be uh, working on our art department building, which uh, is going to be real fun because it's open ceiling. And um, from an integration point of point of view, if you've ever done those, it's it's uh, it's concrete uh, concrete ceiling, pole uh, pole mounting, and oh yeah, Rob's already Rob's already nodding his head. Yeah, lots of lots of crisscrossed uh, kindorf, also known as Unistrut for everyone else.
3: Yeah. I envy you not.
0: Yeah, well, you know it is what it is. Yeah, but cable paths are simple. Uh yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> All white cable, right? Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, in this, in this case, thank in this case, thank goodness, um, there's already been conduit run. <laughs> so it's so that's already set and done. Now it's just a matter of uh, remounting uh, Unistrut and then you know push. So uh, as I say, Mr. Tyner, we'll start off with you first. What's uh, where are some of your uh, uh, holiday
1: install plans or are you actually keeping it light? So we are actually very fortunate in that uh, the college closes down completely from a uh, couple of days before the Christmas, uh, Christmas until a couple of days after New Year's. Um, and we don't we close down as well. We don't we don't come into work. Uh, hmm. We are trying out a new thing this year where we are building our racks um, completely in our shop, testing them out in our shop. Mm-hmm. And literally in an afternoon when the classes are done, uh, we roll the rack in. Everything's already cat five. So we just plug stuff in, test it out, um, and we're done. So it, it's a, it's an experiment we're doing for the first time this year. Um, and hope hopefully getting us away from that, you know, um, Oh, we got one week. We need to work 14 hours a day for the whole week. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: Well, cool. Uh, I mean the, the big question I would have for you, um, and this is always the pick your, uh, you know, pick your, uh, cable flavor here and everything. Are you guys doing a, uh, AV still doing HD based T, or, um, God help me if you guys are, are still, or if you guys are doing, uh, the Extron mini twisted pairs.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to joke around and say, no, we're still pulling the 5-5 uh, five, five cable BNCs. Oh. Uh, no, every, <laughs> 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 we moved to Cat5. We we're not doing any AV over IP. It's all Cat5, so a lot of it is um, the Crestron DM stuff mm-hmm. um, or uh, HD-based T to, to our projectors. All right.
0: Uh, very good. Uh, Mr. Bailey, how about yourself? Uh, well, to start
2: out with where you just finished with Scott, we're kind of doing a hybrid of uh, the – AV over IP and T uh, Once again, with the Crestron stuff, mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of moving from one to the other uh, as we can. But our big projects over uh, this winter break are uh, replacing several lecture hall uh, projectors with lasers. Uh, two of the lecture halls are rear projection spaces. We are. With the new lenses that we can get in the size of our space, we're disassembling the mirrors. Uh, wow. so we're going to be doing direct rear projection. Uh, see how bad our hotspot ends up being. I think it's going to be okay.
0: Now, uh, Ernie, quick thing. Um, yeah. with, the, uh, with, the lens, with the lenses and the mirrors, just a curiosity, um, this is just my own morbid one, how many mirrors did you guys have for the rear projection space? The
2: the two, I only have two rear projection spaces right now. And they're each single mirror. Oh, all right. Well, that's uh, not too bad. They were custom designed for the space. Uh, worked with uh, RP Visuals mm-hmm. uh, out of California, uh, Randy Pagnett, mm-hmm. Um and they took real good care of us. Uh, we've we've changed projectors once in those rooms, and they just replaced the saddle that the projector fits in, as they call it, uh, and. That that was an experience changing that out. Uh, I was going to say we had an integrator do it. The first one took a day and a half. The mm -hmm. second one took forty five minutes. Oh, that's not too bad. Uh, Well, the the pieces are a sixteenth of an inch difference in length that that go together to make the saddle. So you have to get the right one in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, just uh, oh, those are all the same. Just hand me one. No, they're not all the same. (laughs) <laughs> holes are a little bit different. The links are just slightly off, so they won't fit. Uh, but like I said, this time we're going to be replacing or removing completely the mirrors and the tinker toys that hold them together. Uh, doing that and some software upgrades in the same lecture halls at the same time, uh, both audio and uh, transport. But uh, I think that's going to be enough to keep us busy. We're doing three lecture halls, one dual projector. Straight, uh, you know, direct pro, uh, projection mm-hmm. and then the two rear projection. Rooms.
0: So this is actually something, Ernie, I do have a question for you because you deal with lecture halls as much as all of us. Um, in our case, uh, we had an auditorium that actually was left off of a renovation. So is the, oh, we'll go and fix that and go take care of it, you know, uh, phase two option. And uh, we recently had phone calls uh, because it finally got cold up here, and um, they kept saying, "Oh, the projector keeps shutting off." And the folks were like, "Oh, the lamp uh, maybe overheated or something." And I said, "No, it's a laser. That's a laser projector in that room. It, the only reason that it's overheating is because the entire projector is overheating." So we go walking in at the top or the the top of the uh, uh, at the top of the classroom. And yeah, it turns out there was only one thermostat in the room. Would you like to guess where it was? Not by the projector. <laughs> no, not even close. At the bottom of the at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the bowl, and uh, it was reading a temperature of sixty-four. I went, yeah, we went upstairs. We went up to the top. It's ranging at least somewhere in the mid nineties. Yeah, so it's going to be one of those fun ones where we're going to talk this over with the HVAC folks, and you know, maybe having a secondary sensor, just an idea. Yeah. But
2: our, uh, our lecture hall uh, projectors are all in uh, environmentally controlled spaces, uh, so yeah. sort of, some sort of projection room, whether it's front or rear, uh, with its own thermostat.
0: Yeah, if I was, if we were smart, if we were uh, a bit uh, smarter, we we would probably do that. Currently, we're smrt smart, so I'll just leave it to that uh mr raspberry what fun what fun projects await you?
3: I hate to be a Debbie downer, but you know hey uh, not a whole lot happening during the break for once uh, we're you know uh, replacing smaller classrooms with you know larger displays that's been an initiative we've been starting and obviously believe it or not we're still replacing um, old uh, bulb projectors with laser projectors but there really isn't anything on a large scale that we're doing uh, during this break. And similar to Scott, there is a point where we shut down for a week. And usually, obviously, uh, for those hard workers out there like myself, that is the perfect time to do any maintenance or any major projects, which I have done over the last few years. But thankfully, we don't have anything going on this year. So maybe I'll have an actual vacation. I don't know. But ooh. Um, ooh, that's scary. But So no, I, I unfortunately don't have any, anything, any big projects going on uh, uh, during this break.
0: Well, that's fine. The, the, once again, it's one of those um, in days of your, uh, as I say, Rob, if anything, uh, I actually would do work at Novartis, and um, that was, the, as I say, being that they're, a, they're based their calendar more on the Swiss European style things, they'd go, oh, we're going to be closed for two weeks. And I'd go, oh, Cool. And then all of a sudden it would dawn on me, oh no, I have two weeks to get like 10 rooms done. <laughs> and it was, once again, like, you know, it's doing the 14 hour days. Oh, we'll get all this done. Now, you know, much like you guys, uh, we're closed the week of uh, Christmas to New Year's. And um, yeah, it's one of those ones where I can happily, like, just kind of kick back and go and say, ah, yeah. And that's where I look back and go and say, right now, there are probably at least a dozen techs in New York and San Francisco that are just going, oh, I hate the season. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, <clears throat> so moving on from that, we're going to be uh, taking a look at um, uh, two articles uh, today, uh, one of them being uh, from, let's see here, where would it go, uh, from uh, my techs- mytechdecisions.com and which it talks about the hard lessons from IT outsourcing. And, um, you know, it was to say, once again, in the, uh, in the corporate world, uh, outsourcing some of these things, outsourcing IT is, you know, at times fairly common. It's There's usually a churn of sorts in which it goes, oh, we'll go outside, or we'll go to an outside vendor. Oh, you know what, we'll actually do stuff into, into, internal again. And then they'll find another company that says they can do it, you know, at a negotiated price. But. I think there are components to this that folks always tend to kind of overlook in which it's not just cost. It's also the actual quality of the service that uh, comes up from this and everything. And uh, Ernie, I know you've, uh, you, as I you say, you're kind of looking at this going, Oh yes, the, the, the quality of service. Um, yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, kind of. Well, us on
2: this. That's a big part. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, you need, uh, boots on the ground where you are, uh, whether it's, General IT or the, in the, especially in the classroom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've been talking about outsourcing both of those here. Uh, our uh, university system office, you know, we're a uh, multi-campus university. The system office is not far from our main campus. Mm-hmm. And they outsourced even, you know, we discussed this a little while ago to our, a local company mm-hmm. to take over all their IT support. Mm-hmm. Well, they were, not getting much on sites or almost no on-site support, minimal Mm -hmm. off-site support. You know, they would, uh, the company that did it basically thought their job was to, uh, like the paycheck, well, make sure the current, uh, software was on all the servers, uh, security software, you know, (laughs) Make, make sure we don't get viruses or, uh, you know any kind of ransomware or anything like that and that was what they thought their entire job was well uh it was you know determined real quick they weren't getting support they needed and their systems okay. were failing mm-hmm. servers were going down network switches were failing so the system offices asked our uh campus it to take over
0: mm-hmm. their support and
2: i mean we're doing it we're not far away it's easy to do
0: mm-hmm. uh, it' it 's one of those things from a in your eye it 's the it 's the boots on the ground it 's the actual customer service on these things right and right. it' it's, it's you know case in point is this uh, there 's been a couple of county colleges um, by us that they outsourced their i t support and uh, we 've tried to do distance lecture, you know uh, distance learning courses with them. And at most, all of a sudden, we will have a fully-fledged room in which, you know, the lecturer will have a confidence monitor, they'll have uh, their class with them in the room, they'll have the mics, they'll have, you know, all the professional settings set up and everything. And then we'll look at the far side, and it's very obvious that someone put a laptop on the table, on the stage, in the auditorium, and went, here you go, which you know, can turn over very quickly and folks and, you know, students will kind of look and go and say, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a warm body in the room and that doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah. Uh, we, we do
2: have another university here uh, in Arkansas that decided to outsource their video conferencing and, the, and we took it. <laughs> uh, you know, well, we have uh, all the uh, video conferencing bridges and all that that we need. Uh, and the t- they're running more evening classes than we do. Mm-hmm. So we definitely have the bridge space, and, but our space has to be manned 24-7 because we also do telemedicine, and you know we, ha- we have a stroke service mm-hmm. uh, and a, a high-risk pregnancy service that we, our video conferencing uh, handles the tech for. So mm-hmm. they've got people on site watching the bridges and all that, waiting for something to come up. So it was not a bad deal. You know, we've, we have a little bit of income from this other university mm-hmm. uh, coming in our video conferencing group uh, because they had time available. The other group didn't really have the in-house expertise to run the distance education program.
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the, it, as I say, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you look at and just go, is the, is what you're saving really worth saving? So, yeah. As I say, there's there's another there's another gist from the, the musical Pippin, but I'm going to leave, leave that one be. Uh, <laughs> Scott probably knows which one I'm talking about. Uh, Mr. Tyner, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, we've actually at, at Bates, we've never looked at um, outsourcing our, our IT. We do outsource all of our um, event staging. We don't we don't do that in house anymore. And I think it, it comes down to exactly what what you both have just talked about, which is. Um, what do you place the most value on? What are you going to get long-term value for? And um, is the money you're saving worth it? And, you know, for example, we looked at our events, event support, and and there's no long-term value to my staff staffing events or putting up events. Um, It's a one-time thing. When it's over, it's over. That's different than installing a classroom. So we do it in that case. And I think that, uh, Anytime you do something like this, it's just about looking at what are you trying to get out of it? You know, is, is the money you're going to save worth it? And in many cases, really taking a very hard look at uh, what they're promised, what you're getting promised and whether or not it's even realistic what somebody's being promised, right? If you've got, you know, people that are three or four hours away, it's going to take them a day to get to your campus if, if there's a problem.
0: Yeah. Or my, my other personal favorite now. As I say, now, I'm sure all of us have uh, ticketing systems and everything, but that's not the end all. That is the, oh, get it up, uh, get it, get us aware of it and everything, however, it's not the end all. Uh, you know, in, in our case, um, you know, I'm sure Ernie has a similar setup in which we do have a help desk that is actually actively manned by folks and everything. If you call us, we will actually go and remote into the panel in real time and see what's going on and everything, but if there's, you know, the room's on fire. Yes, someone yeah. will come down. We try to we try to keep that to a minimal as much as humanly possible. But you know, you know, as I say, you and I all well know there are some faculty who are, for lack of better terms, very seasoned, and uh, you know they have their routines. And there's, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the fun terminology of this one. Of well, it's crazy on Irma. You try to correct Crazy on Irma, and you know Crazy on Irma is always going to pluck the feathers in the in the couch or on the couch. Uh, eventually, you find a new either a find a new couch or b you end up building a fence around on Irma. Um, we're trying to do more of the here. We're going to move Irma to a new couch. But um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, like I said, when you outsource certain things, a ticketing system is well. Here you go. I'll just put in a trouble ticket, and we'll take care of it. Well, once again, for us, I think it's more of the ticketing system helps us more. It's not really the end all or the, you know, here you go. I think it's more of the, this is a, this is a problem. You can take a look at it through your dashboard or through, you know, your, your, uh, your, your, online, your online ticketing system and actually check and see, is this pro- room having a problem or is this more of an issue for
2: users? That's how we pretty much use our ticketing system. Tickets are generally generated after a problem solved. Yes. You know, uh, the general IT group here on campus, when something happens, they create a ticket in the, in the text. Work from the ticket. Mm-hmm. We do it the opposite way in classroom support because a fifty-minute long class. You know, if you're spending five minutes writing the ticket after you get a call that happened three minutes into the class,
0: you know, yeah, twenty really- percent of the
2: class is gone before you get to the room.
0: Yeah, you're going to have faculty who go and say, "Well, could you just find me a different room?" And a lot of times, we tend to, we you know, we'll have someone back at the desk, and I'll call and ask and check ahead of t- and, and check while I'm heading over there because it's the Plan B option. Is it yeah. the most ideal? No, but at the same time, we don't want to cause work stoppage, or we don't want to cause uh, our faculty to go and say, "Oh, this stuff never works." Yeah, it's presenting them with a solution. Uh, because no one ever likes to get told, "Well, the room's broken." Well, what can you do about it? I don't know. The room's broken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, as I say, unless your unless your budget is absolutely shot, you always have to you always try to come up with a plan B. Right. Uh, yeah, Mr. Raspberry. <laughs> uh, really don't have
3: too much really to add to that. I think you know, in, in general, I, I haven't dealt with any type of outsourcing. Oh, I mean, fine. I know some institutions that have outsource maintenance of their classrooms to an outside firm Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason for them I guess in that particular situation it worked great Mm -hmm. but for us I don't see any necessity to do that we know the space is inside out we are doing it as cost efficiently as possible um, you know now, yeah. I
0: will say this Rob there is probably like a little like we do it we don't admit to it technically there is a little bit of outsourcing okay. in, in this in this regard of that for us we tend to have a number of student workers and the student workers ah. are usually the first ones in there right. now it depends on it depends on the quality of the student and everything but every now and then our IT folks our CIO has been oh we'll just put a student worker on it I'm going okay, have they gone through our training because otherwise they're just going right. to look at it and here you go.
3: Well, and, but there is some value to that because if you have enough um, troubleshooting issues in enough classrooms mm-hmm. and you send a student worker out who can at least take a look and say, oh, the projector is flickering or something like that, and there's a way that, you know, they can handle very low-end end issues, that's mm-hmm. actually a good thing. Is that really outsourcing? Because, like with us, we have a number of student workers, and typically they go on to be part timers and become full timers. So, in a way, it's sort of a farm system rather than outsourcing. I would say. So. Fair enough. I Uh, I, I get what you. I guess when we say outsourcing, I guess we mean a true outside (laughs) organization. Is this a
0: labor and duty outsourcing? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
3: Right.
0: Here, you take care of this. Why? Because I'm older, and I've, I'm older, and I have more seniority than you. Go. <laughs> um, now, the uh, last little bit here, and this will be the last article, uh, <clears throat> comes to us from Rave Pubs. It's uh, through our own Mr. Scott Tyner of Integrators or VA or VARS, also known as Value Added Resellers. Now, uh, Mr. Tyner, would you like to uh, break this down for uh, um, you know? Uh, would you like
1: to dumb it down for your host for a minute on this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm actually on on a bit of a um, a rant about these these things lately. Um, <laughs> so as I, I say in this article, I, I, my role over the years has gotten much more and much more into IT, and we've been meeting with some some bars lately who want to they want to sell us equipment. But they want to add some value to it, mm-hmm. and so I, I you know, I said in there, for example, they'll ship us computers that are already imaged, that have a spreadsheet of all the serial numbers and MAC addresses that we need, et cetera, We can just import it, mm-hmm. and it's you know some minimal amount per machine to do that. That provides real value to us. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that we don't have to do and we won't make mistakes on. And I kind of compare that to I don't see that, and I'd be curious to know if any of you do. I don't see that kind of um, value-added from in, in the AV industry what I typically see is in integrators kind of like if you're gonna buy our stuff you're also buying our services and, and you're gonna pay whatever we tell you to pay for those services and and as I see what the, uh, some of these value-added resellers rese- on the IT side are doing I wonder if they're gonna start moving into um, the, the AV world and starting to do some of this stuff um, for the a- AV world, you know, give us, you know, give us your programming for your, for X certain system and X certain touch panel. And you'll just, you'll get it shipped right to you. Programming loaded. Um, mm-hmm. your serial numbers are already or any other just small value that they can add. Um, cause so many of us are doing our own installs. Now it's kind of this idea of where can you find a place to do business? And, and the, the, the kick that I'm on right now is going back to this AV as a service thing, where what I keep hearing is people talking about how, how, companies need to do this. And, and it's the only way they're going to survive. And I keep saying, yeah, but what's in it for me? (laughs) And so here there's something in it for me. Yes.
0: Now I will say this, like, this is just a a thing that we've done when it comes to, um, you know, when we do a large scale renovation, uh, you know, say like 15 or 20 rooms or something like that. Um, you know, it's one of those ones where you look and you go and say, yeah, okay, we're going to, we're going to, you know, obviously contract this out. However, in our case, we almost actually force the added, the uh, value added. Um, okay, it's, it's not really value added then if we force it into the contract <laughs> because we specifically tell them, uh, you have to, before the stuff arrives on site, this is, you have to give us the MAC addresses and serial numbers of all the devices. You have to give it to us on an Excel sheet. For us, it's because we're going to take those uh, serial numbers And we're going to say, you know, put them into the Crestron A plus rewards point system and everything. And for the MAC addresses, that's easy enough because for us that's, uh, here, network admin guys, here's the following MAC addresses. We already have the jack numbers laid out and everything. Here it is. That way, in case it plugs in anywhere else, the active network jacks will go and say, oh, I have to put it on this VLAN instead. Okay, here you go.
1: Bink. Yeah, and those 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 things to most people. If anybody's listening to this who's in higher ed and AV, what we heard you just say to, is an extreme value add. Like I can't tell you how many times we finished the room and be like, Oh God, we don't have serial numbers. And you gotta, you know, or, or or you know, you get all of the equipment. And you want to do the install tomorrow, but now you got to collect all the MAC addresses. You got to get them all on the network. You if you get this a week in advance and that stuff arrives and you can just start working. That's that's a huge boost. Yeah,
0: it's the time saver, and like I said, for us to have to put it in the contract, um, surprisingly enough, the integrators, the past integrator we've we've used for the last two projects, uh, we've gotten along pretty well with them about stuff, and we put it in the contract once, and then went, okay, and then the second time, I forgot to put it in, but they did it anyway, because they, they, they were doing, they wanted to push very hard to have like repeat business with us, Yep. Yeah. and I, I think it's going to be one of those things of start putting it in the contracts kind of thing. Um, you know, For us, like I said, I've been trying to shift us over from being the lowest contract bidder to the lowest qualified bidder. Um, it's You're right, Scott. It's in the realm of I think it's as we start to raise our requirements, kind of raise our game or what we expect to be handled, uh, I think to a certain degree the integrators will, will kind of raise their stuff and add, and start doing value added because it's no longer like, it, you know, if we're going to go straight to the box sales, um, I know a couple of companies that will just straight out decimate uh, the local mom and pops. Um, and yeah. we're not even talking like AVI SPL or anything like that. We're talking, uh, you know, international corps that just, all they do are box sales. Yeah.
2: Man. Oh, we like uh, to work with local integrators. We can't even, when we're doing our own installs, they do a, a little bit of value-add, you know, mm-hmm. similar to what you get. You know, we get the serial numbers. We get all their order information so we can plug it into the, the uh, A-plus program at Crestron, mm-hmm. and they know we're doing that. And all, they also work with us on warranties. So we can say, look, we're ordering all this stuff in May, but it's not going to be installed until November. If we promise to keep it in the box, can you work with the manufacturer to start the warranty on November 15th or whatever? And they'll do that. And they also give us a path back so uh, for warranty stuff. And that's worth a whole lot to me. Uh, I don't have to deal with all that. I don't have to ship things back directly to the manufacturer. I, can, I can take it to the integrator. They'll get it back. Mm-hmm. And, they, yes, they charge a little bit more than the these international box companies Mm -hmm. but they're local if I have a problem with it I can get it taken care of Uh, is a lot of times it's something they also have in stock for their installs when they're integrating Mm -hmm. so if we have one fail I can get an immediate replacement while I'm waiting for the official advanced replacement to get in from the manufacturer so those are a lot of times little things to the integrator but they mean a whole lot to us and we're willing to pay a little bit of a premium, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to get that. And then when we do have something that's come across that need, that's high priority needs to be done right now and I don't have the manpower to do it in someone's time frame, that's the integrator I'm going to point the, that department mm-hmm. to because they've worked with us on the box sales side.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's the relationship management right the, the of the roles of relationship management right and I've
2: got I've got three or four integrators in the area mm-hmm. that are more than willing to work with me some of the others include their installation price when they're selling it as a box you know mm. uh, so. they, they don't give very many bids yeah
0: so all right gentlemen that's about all the time we have for this uh, once again mr. Ernie Bailey where can folks find you at you can find me on LinkedIn all right uh, mr. Tyner
1: Uh, I'm pushing Twitter hard now, so find me at S. Tyner on Twitter. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Mr. Raspberry? Uh,
1: I am on LinkedIn. Uh, Also, go to
3: Drexel.edu and just put in my name, Rob Raspberry. You can't miss me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I'm Bill Odell. You can find me on Twitter as well as LinkedIn. And once again, this has been EdTech and Aviation Nation uh, monthly podcast. Uh, Once again, this is EdTech.